There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil, and that's us. Hi, I'm Nicholas Brendan, and you're listening to the Buffy Back Issue Ben. Welcome to the Buffy Back Issue Ben, the show where we go through all the Buffy and Angel comics that are canon chronologically. I'm Zach. And I'm Emily. And let's find out who Buffy's baby daddy is. Dun dun dun! You do that so often. Did you turn on the microphone? Yes. Ah, just checking. Yeah. Yeah. This is a redo episode. No fairness, we were going to do it in two parts because we were too sleepy. It wasn't very good. It wasn't great. (laughs) But it's still a redo. We're lucky that I didn't turn the microphone on. And have this time. Double checked. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. Levels are where they should be. Much better. Turbines to speed. What? It's fine. All right. Someone got that right. One of you. It's enough of you. you At least one of you. Do you you hear that silence coming back at you? (laughs) Yeah. I just want someone to be like driving in their car, like at the gym, preferably at the gym, like on a treadmill, just raising their hand like me. Who runs podcasts? Not me. I would have to run to run to podcasts. That's fair. That's why the dog is my running partner. Oh, because he's a good boy. It's been one year with the podcast dog. Happy one year anniversary, podcast dog. Plus six or seven weeks until this episode comes out. Yeah, or right. minus. I don't know. How does Plus. math work? <laughs> let's just, let's Time just do it. go you know backwards. What? Buffy's pregnant. Oh my god. All right. And so we begin the arc titled On Your Own. This arc is written by Series 9 scribe Andrew Chambliss. Wow. What a fancy word that you chose to use there. Yeah, for kind of a crap arc. Instead of author or writer or. <laughs> I'm being mean to it already. I shouldn't be. It's fine. It's okay. We'll get into it. That's a very general statement. It's not the direction I would have preferred. How's that? More tactful. And art by George's Genty, who I have nothing bad to say about him. No. He's very good at what he does. Yes, he is. I like what he's about. Yes, you do. I do too. Yeah, you're like, yeah, that's your opinion. Wrong. Well, I just think that because the... Editor's Note Comic Store in Hollowell, Maine may have one or two of his pieces. Two. That's what I thought. I lost track. Anyway. Well, I I met him years and years ago. Actually, I met him at the first con when I started buying art. I didn't get art from him, though. I got a print, which I would never do now. You would never buy a print. Ever. No. No. What am I doing with prints? 2009. It sounded like I said prints. What am I doing with prints? Also a great question. <laughs> oh, he's not alive anymore. He's alive in our hearts with the bat dance. Yeah, that's less fun. Moving on. This arc starts off with Buffy admitting to Dawn that she's preggers and doesn't know who the daddy is. And Dawn takes it very well. Dawn's like, look, we've all made mistakes. I got turned into a centaur and a giant and a doll because I made some mistakes in my love life. So let's support you where we can and move along. And then Don asked the question that we were all thinking, was it Parker? Did she actually ask that? No, I wish. <laughs> that would have been so much funnier. I was like, did I miss that? Did you have sex with Parker again? It's been a while. Maybe he's nicer now. Maybe. Pro- probably not. Doubt it. He's that kind of dickhead that he's probably making like a ton of cash for no good reason. Oh, that's kind of depressing. This is not a real world. I like to imagine that so they're not nice people. He's a fictional character. Let's say he's dead in an alley. Oh, that's even worse. Nah, it's better. You don't have great options. Either (laughs) one. And Buffy's like, yeah, it could have been anyone at that party. 
And something that I like that she does is she riles off a bunch of names. She's like, it could have been Riley. It could have been Andrew, I guess. Maybe it's Spike because of magic's different now. Maybe it was the cops that came over. Or Tumble or Root. Dumb names. (laughs) And you know what? In a series called Buffy, that is a high bar. Tumble and Root. I've actually found people in this world who are named Buffy for real. Isn't that fascinating? Not Buffet? No. That is also a fictional character. Buffet the vampire lair. (laughs) I think it was Joss. He's like, you know your ideas really made it when there's a porn parody of it? Yeah. And there's a parody of the porn parody. It is now immortalized. When will someone do a porn parody of me? That's when I know the show has made it. Wow. That would be fine if that never happened. Just so we're clear. But like I said, Buffy's listing off a bunch of names of people that it could be. And something that I like, even though it was presented as a possibility, Buffy never mentions that Xander could be the father. Yeah, which is just smart on her part. Like, Donna's being very supportive. She doesn't need to alienate her one friend in this. (laughs) Maybe I had sex with your boyfriend. He's kind of always had a thing for me. I don't know. But Buffy says nothing like that. I wish you had delivered that line instead of me. That (laughs) fictional line I just came up with. It sounds weird coming out of my mouth. Me as Buffy, like, he's always had a thing for me. Wow. But Donna asks if there's anything that she can do, and Buffy's like, no, there's only one person I can call about... You know, having a slayer for a mum. And we get what is, so far, our last appearance of Robin Wood. Okay, this is actually a really good call. Buffy does not always make good decisions on whom should I contact about this crisis in my life. And this is actually a really good call. Yeah, she's just like, I'm going to call Spike or Angel. Yeah, the two non-humans about my very human issues. But this time she talks to Robin. I don't know why we don't use we. Like we're part of the creative team. Why don't we use Robin more? He just came in in the last season and then maybe people didn't have time to bond with him. I liked him. Wasn't the last time that we saw him, he was calling Faith to go murder a bunch of vampire children? Yeah. Yeah. And before that, he was dying on a bus. Yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe those two last instances of seeing him just kind of put everybody off to him. I don't know. I I liked him. and I liked him too. I mean, the one season he had, but I liked the character. I don't know why he's so underused. Who knows? I don't know. I guess, defending the medium, guy who's pretty good at killing vampires, but not like, he doesn't have like flashy visual magic or supernatural strength, probably less interesting in a comic book medium. Yeah. Oh, you were edged out by Xander. How sad do you feel? Fictional character. Poor Robin. But in all serious, I don't know why he isn't used more. I don't know. But we never see him again, at least so far. And Buffy is talking to Robin, whose mother was a slayer and was killed by Spike. Her name was Nikki. So it was. We get some flashbacks to Nikki's pregnancy and kind of how she decided to deal with the whole thing back in the 70s. It was like 1974-ish. Yeah, because Spike killed her in the 70s. Yeah. When he got his jacket. Yes. Off of her, you know, dead body. Right. So Buffy goes to Robin and she's basically like, what do I do? Do I keep the baby? Do I give it up? Do I abort it? Like, what do I do? And Robin tells all these tales about how Nikki wanted to walk away from the Slayer life for him, but the calling was too strong and she kept on going back into it. He also talks about Nikki's watcher. His name is Crowley. And Crowley has a very interesting mustache. I mean, the art on Crowley, we never saw him in the show. He was referenced by name. But he is 100% Giles with a different haircut and a mustache. 
Like the face is, I'm sure it's not an accident. It's identical to Giles. It's quite the handlebar mustache, but vroom vroom. But Crowley very much is uh, trying to protect Nikki from herself and protect the baby. And so he refuses to let Nikki go out on a patrol. Not that that does much of anything. So Crowley mentions that he's done a lot of training because he wants to take over the vampire sling while Nikki is pregnant so that she can focus on her pregnancy and having a healthy baby. And basically Nikki just refuses. She's like, look, I'm a slayer. I need to slay things. That's my job. And if there was a whole army of them, God, that'd be handy. But right now there's just the one and only. Right. And so Crowley's like, yeah, you've been doing this for three years, though. So most girls don't even last this long. So nice job to you. You should be able to kind of bow out gracefully. Avoid any platinum blonde vampires. Yeah. Nikki does neither of those things. Basically, we find out via Robin that she did not spend a lot of time with him, that he was raised basically by Crowley, that Nikki would go out patrolling at night and she wouldn't make it back until the morning. Until that morning that she didn't come back. And Buffy just kind of admits, she's like, well, I can't take care of a child like that. Like, how could I do that to someone? He would resent me for the rest of my life. And Robin just kind of goes, like, well, Nikki could have gotten an abortion, but she chose to have me. And if she didn't, I wouldn't be here. And, you know, being alive, that's a better option for me. Yeah. So even though Robin did not have the greatest childhood, very interestingly, he still recommends that Buffy go through the pregnancy. What we find out is that Nikki just, she just couldn't stay away. She was drawn back into the Slayer life, and that was stronger than her maternal instinct. It was stronger than her desire to get out and to take care of Robin, because originally she was going to give him up for adoption, but then she couldn't, and Slaying was stronger than all of that. And Robin gives Buffy a choice outside of abortion or having the baby and Slaying. It's like, or you could just have the baby and walk away from Slaying. Nikki had a choice, and she didn't choose me. You could make a different choice than my mother did. Which really, at the end of the day, I think is probably Robin's goal. Almost like live, you know, vicariously through like that child's like life if a slayer chose a child over slaying, just to prove that it could be done. Right. But given how many slayers there are now, I'm sure one of them got knocked up. Yeah, maybe. But what's interesting here is that Robin's like, yeah, Nikki couldn't do it, but I'm pretty sure that you could. And we cut over to our B story, which has been going on simultaneously, which is Spike meeting up with Detective Dowling to go talk about vampires and see what makes them tick or exist. Yeah, they don't really tick, do they? No. Kind of the whole point. Lack of a ticker. Yeah. So Spike goes on a ride along with Detective Dowling. He has to wear a Kevlar vest. He's just fine. Yeah. This will do nothing. I guess protect me from steaks. Why don't I wear this all the time? That's a really good question. Wear some Kevlar, buddy. That would be super protective against stakes. And Dowling's a little put off because Spike shows up in his spaceship. Yeah, full of bugs. That is confusing. Yeah, that's really just diving into the deep end first. Like, I'm going to deal with this zompire problem. Why is there a spaceship? Yeah, he's like, I'm a little unusual. So Dowling's like, speaking of unusual, why are you friends with a slayer if you're a, va- a vampire? And also, why do you love her? Like, shut up, I don't. You love her. And Dally's like, yeah, I'm a cop. I'm pretty good at reading people. So what's your story? And Spike's like, fine. I came to kill her and then I got a chip and then I got a soul. And then we had sex a bunch and then I died and came back and she doesn't need me in her life. It's like, I have a lot of seasons of TV I need to catch up on. It was a very nice little summary, though. I liked it. (laughs) And then I was a ghost. 
And then I went to hell. And then I got a bug ship. And what was interesting to me is that after this whole conversation, Spike's like, yeah, I'm not very good for. And Nellie's like, she seems pretty tough, though. Spike just thinks that Buffy needs normal in her life and that he is not that, which he already mentioned the last arc to Ko. So this is Spike's new mission in life. I love her, but I can never be with her. For she requires something normal, even though she goes out every night and murders demons. You know, the definition of normal. Right. And as Spike is saying, like, hey, Dowling, why don't you take a pass at her? Because you seem to be normal and boring. And Dowling's like, no, no. Cops are too much for normal people to handle. And he's like, did you not hear anything I just said about Buffy? What with the murdering and me? It's like, I'd worry about you instead. Fair. I would also worry about the poor detective. And while Dowling's like, you love her. Spike and Buffy sitting in a tree. And Spike's like, hang on, I'm getting a text. Gotta go. I hate your song. Dowling is far more childish than my rendition of him. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> Bit of a brick. I mean, not in the book, just the way I tell him. Yeah, really. In the book, he's fine. He's a nice enough guy. He's a little naive. <laughs> I but... just make him sound like an ass. You really do. Unclear why. But Spike goes to meet Buffy at the pool. Which is a weird place. I don't know where this pool where is. Where is this pool? I don't know. Buffy's at a pool. Is she at some kind of luxury apartment? That would be so cool if we had a pool. We can get one. Spoiler alert, we don't have a pool. Do you want to get an like underground one? I want a hot tub. That's far easier to get than a pool. I want a hot tub. We can get a hot tub. All right. I actually want a jacuzzi tub. Like in the house. Okay, so now you're... Like a real tub. Okay, so now you want to get a tub that's a jacuzzi versus a hot tub. What if we built a gazebo with a hot tub in it? That's fine, too. I would support that. Or we could just get one that's something outside. We could do that, too. Cool. Okay. Um, Sorted. Give us money on Patreon. We gotta get us a hot tub. I know. I just really want one. Patreon, $1 a month. You're not gonna notice that dollar. It'll get me a hot tub, though. (laughs) Eventually. (laughs) Eventually. Many, many, many months later. This podcast isn't gonna last long enough to justify that. No, it won't. So Buffy texts Spike to meet her at the pool, that famous Buffy location. And he's like, hey, what's up? And Buffy says, there's something I have to tell you. And Spike's like, cool, me too, me too. But your thing first. And she's like, I'm having an abortion. He's like, oh boy, I wasn't going to say I'm in love with you. I'm just going to dodge that bullet. Yeah. He's definitely glad that she said her thing first. But in all seriousness, Buffy goes into this whole like, you know what? I'm pregnant and... I talked to Robin. You remember Robin? He tried to kill you a bunch. And he's like, yeah. What with the matricide and all? Whatever. Details. And so Buffy kind of explains herself and she's like, look, I talked to Robin. Robin was like, you should definitely keep the baby because you can do something that Nikki couldn't. You can definitely walk away from slaying. You are stronger than that. And she's like, yeah, I probably could, but I couldn't do the rest of it. I couldn't actually raise a baby. I'm a barista. And a bad one at that. Yeah, I can't even hold down a job. And so she asked Spike to go with her, and he just says, yeah. There's no hesitation. There's no questioning. There's nothing more trying to get her to change her mind or at least explain her thinking or full support of that decision. He's just full of support for Buffy. Spike will be there even at these insane... poolside moments. Yeah. You know, that moment everyone has sitting by the pool going, I think I'll have an abortion. Yeah. So all in all, I quite like this first issue. At the abortion pool? Whatever. I quite like this first issue for threads that it weaves together and the thought process that we see Buffy go through. 
Yeah, because I think she lands at a conclusion that people didn't think she was going to land at, but you can understand her reasoning as well. Yeah, exactly. So I moved on to issue two with high hopes for this is a story that we've not done before. Well, we did it with Cordelia about 17 times. We did, but Cordelia, it was always so clear that it was a demon that had impregnated her. Yeah, I know. But... That it was never really a thing. But this is such a real and human moment that it doesn't matter that she's a slayer. It matters that she's a woman. With a choice. With a choice. And I don't know. I just Controversial words. It's an interesting place to take this story and a place that we haven't gone before. And so I entered issue two of On Your Own with High Hopes. Just so we're clear, it's going to fart out by the end. Wow, that is quite the expression that you came up with there. Well, it is. And we see that Buffy has decided to do the only normal thing in this normal situation. Well, I guess not normal, but extraordinary human situation and runs away to a bug spaceship. Yeah, so... Hopefully she's not planning on having her abortion with the cockroaches. Yeah, that would be a terrible idea. Tumble and Anaheed vote and they decide that they are less scared of Buffy than they are of the Zompire, so they want her to stay. Great, except that Buffy's already left for the bug spaceship because she really just needs to go and run away with Spike for a little while to get away from her problems and her barista job. It was fun for a bit, but when the bug ship goes away, it's probably for the best. Yeah. I don't know. I just miss them when they were foul-mouthed. That's when they were my favorites. That is always when things are your favorite. I was trying to think of a time when it wasn't. Eh, probably is. Literally every time. So Buffy tells Spike, she's like, you know, before I called you to assist with my abortion, normal conversation that people have, she's like, I considered running away from everything with you. Like we could start a life together. But what I need in my life is normal. And that ain't you. Thanks for the help, by the way. Yeah. So Spike is not in the best. What a weird crap moment on Buffy's end. She's like, I thought I would give you everything you ever wanted. But nah. Yeah. But thank you for your help in my, you know, emotional moment of crisis. This is not Buffy's shining moment. It is confusing how Buffy continues to be this far into her world, still so self-centered that she has zero idea of anybody else's thoughts or emotions going on around her. Yeah, this is not, I mean, it's very in character, but Buffy... Oh, totally. It's just kind of annoying that this part of her has not changed or grown at all. No, she has used people many a time. And I guess she's just going to keep on doing that thing. She's like, eh, usually works out. Sometimes I die, but I always come back, so it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's okay. And Spike's like, thanks, I guess, for being awful. I'm going to go away now. And while he's storming away, he gets a call from Detective Dowling because he and his partner have decided to go hunting vampires. They found a nest. Of vampires, in fact. It and- went as well as you can imagine. Yeah. They go to that famous san francisco tower is that thing i don't know maybe look we're east coast i've never been to san francisco i would like to go join patreon and send me to san francisco we're really more the notorious big than we are a tupac i don't really know what that means but send me to san francisco okay and dowling calls for backup via spike and spike's like fine you know what i'm a bit of the murdering mood after talking to buffy and this was my favorite little moment in this entire little five-issue thing that we're going to talk about today, is that Buffy goes, why do alien bugs use European sockets? And Spike just answers, real questions, why Europeans use alien sockets. But Spike orders the bugs to head over to Dowling in San Francisco so he can help kill all the zompires. And Buffy's like, 
as the slayer, I feel the need to murder. He's like, yeah, no, you're pregnant, so you're going to take a backseat to this one. Old Spike's got this. And Buffy doesn't take too kindly to that. No. I do think it was interesting, though, that Spike is like, yes, I will definitely help you when you go to get your abortion. But until that time, you're still pregnant, so. Yeah, which is definitely the right thing to do, but it brings up a bunch of questions that we are not going to deal with. Boy, this is an awkward arc to talk about out loud. So Spike jumps out of the bug ship into the zompire nest. We find out. Says that... Gurr. Says Gurr. We find out that the zompires have killed Detective Dowling's partner. Oh no, we knew her so well. Yeah. Pour one out for, what's her name? It starts with an M. Does it? I think so. Once Spike says Gurr, he starts a staking a left, a right, a front, a center. He's real effective at this, except he gets swarmed. And things aren't looking great for Spike, and things aren't looking great for Dowling, who's a bit of a bitch, and he's gonna die before he ever gets to kill his first zompire. Then Buffy comes to the rescue in the bug ship. So she leans out the window and pulls Detective Dowling into the bug ship as he kills his first zompire. And technically, Buffy has not left the spaceship, so life is good. She doesn't have to listen to Spike's rules. I also enjoyed this line. Detective Dowling goes, when did you and your vampire boyfriend decide to play spaceship? I really enjoyed everything about that sentence. And Buffy's like, not my boyfriend. And we're not playing spaceship. I don't even know what you're talking about. Buffy swan dives down, stakes in each hand to save Spike, and she kicks some ass. She's killing everything. Like, Spike is up against like 20 zompires, which, you know, you're gonna lose. Right. But oh, I guess unless you're Buffy. Buffy kicks some ass. I love this art. This is probably the highlight of the art in this whole thing. Buffy saves Spike and he goes to her. He's like, you know what? I don't care what you say. I want to have normal with you. I don't want to just be the guy you go to when you're feeling something dark. I'm in love with you and I can give you what you need. And he goes in for the kiss. And then there's a big crunch. And Buffy has her robot arm ripped off of her shoulder. That's right, everyone. You heard right. Buffy is a robot. Thus ends all sorts of interesting questions that the first issue brought up. Yeah, and they just kill him quick, and Buffy's like, I'm a robot, which is weird. There's a pretty big backlash online about the story arc, and I think a lot of it comes down to when Buffy works best, Buffy works as a metaphor. Sometimes it's a real thin metaphor, but there's still almost always a metaphor for what Buffy is doing. In a normal circumstance, there would be some kind of metaphor for pregnancy or abortion or something like that. But in this case, the metaphor is abortion equals robot. That's not a metaphor. No, definitely not. I get that they were trying to do something more human and more down to earth in season eight, but this isn't it. This is literally the opposite of metaphor. Well, it also felt like they were setting up something that was going to be really different. And interesting, and I wanted to see where they were going to go with it. And instead, they went back to a robot. Yeah, we've been there before with the Buffy bot. Yeah. It's and not it... a sex bot this time. No, no. Which is interesting, I guess, a little bit on its own. But it just feels like such a cop-out. That they raised all of these very intricate issues. Big deal issues for people who have gone through them. Like, people who have unwanted and unexpected pregnancies. Like, what do you do in the case of this child? And really, there are a limited number of options of what you can do. Robot, not normally one of them. Yeah, and they came up with kind of a cop-out of, 
Buffy doesn't actually have to decide what to do with this child because there is no child because she's a robot. So it really throws all the importance out about what they were building. A very serious topic was being dealt with, which we're not going to well, attempt thing, to tackle it, but it totally property, pulls the rug out from under it. Yeah, this property doesn't normally try to not deal with important issues. No, and I mean, in particular, women's issues. Yeah. Like, literally the focus of multiple seasons was all about female empowerment. Seasons 1 and 7 were 100% about that. Yeah. Well, and it really felt, too, like, because Buffy had decided so assuredly that she wanted to get an abortion in an issue 1, that it felt like in issue 2 there was either going to be some sort of event to question that, or a conversation to question that, or something to reaffirm it, or something to go somewhere instead of robot. Yeah. It was a surprise. Look, it was poorly handled. No two ways about it. It just kind of felt like they brought up something and then they decided it was too big and they were going to put it back away. But they've also been setting up this robot thing pretty well. If you go back and read the last arc, Buffy's like, my limbs have been screwed on wrong. You see Andrew... Oh, by the way, it's Andrew who does this. We see Andrew building robots. We have things like the first Slayer being like, you are not the Slayer and all these other like robot things. Buffy's wearing like a robot t-shirt, all that other crap. Like it was planned and set up it was just stupid idea yeah but we move on to switching the name of this arc for some reason even though it's all part of the same thing to a part of me part one buffy and spike go to andrew who lives in a place it's very messy and batman's there and spider-man yeah and andrew's like alien invaders are here to take me away and probe me goody and instead, it's just Buffy and Spike, and they're really upset. But we do see a tin can poster in the background, which is going to be prevalent later. And Buffy jumps through Andrew's window. She's like, why am I a robot, you son of a bitch? It's like, I don't know. Robots are Warren's thing, not mine. I don't know why I know robotics so insanely well. Oh, wait, no, he doesn't say that. That was just you. But Andrew's basically like, I really just wanted to protect you and that seemed like the best way to protect you was to put your consciousness inside of a robot so if anything happened to your physical body you'd be fine you'd be fine remember when spike wouldn't shut up about someone hunting you well i thought i'd just replace you with a robot which okay in all honesty not a terrible idea but buffing needs to be in on the plan and buffy's like i thought i was pregnant because I didn't get my period, and I was puking a bunch. She's like, number one, periods are gross, and I wasn't about to program that in. Number two, I thought I had the food thing figured out. Did you not poop? He didn't say that last bit. It's definitely what he's implying, that he had pooping worked out. Yeah, but... Buffy was just puking up the food instead. So Andrew's like, no worries. Like, I kept your body safe. I roofied you at your party, and... Stripped you naked, I switched bodies put clothes on the robot don't worry about it that's not super creepy and rapey there's no good way to spin this and like sometimes when we're doing these recaps we'll embellish a little bit andrew flat out says i roofied you Mm -hmm. and got you naked yeah that's not okay there is no good way to spin that no this arc has all kinds of problems and you could be like well Andrew's protecting her, and he's not sexually attracted to Buffy because he's still deeply closeted at this point. But it's weird and wrong. They never really address it. Buffy's like, you made a mistake, but she's not like, what did you do to me? Like, this is 100% an insane violation. I know. 
It's it, super messed up. Andrew's heart is definitely in the right place, but he's like, no, it was to protect you from yourself so that you wouldn't do anything rash. That's why I did it this way. And something that's always weirded me out about this is Buffy was never aware that she was a robot until her arm was ripped off. So somehow Andrew knew exactly how Buffy looked like naked in order to make a perfect naked replica of her. That's a really good point. I never thought about that. That is super weird. Like, clothes exist in the world. Why does Andrew know perfectly how Buffy looks like naked? I don't know. That's a really great question. It's really messed up. The more I talk about this arc out loud, the more I dislike it. Yeah. It's very Dollhouse-esque. And this writer comes from Dollhouse, but we're we're not even to the dollhouse parts of it yet. But yeah, it's super uncomfortable and like these massive invasions of privacy. And it's also confusing to me. How does Buffy not realize exactly little things like small details in her appearance? I mean, things like that. How does she not notice that something's up? Because Andrew was somehow able to build a 100% replica nude copy of Buffy. Well, good for him, I guess. That's... Weird. Anyway you spin it, it's weird and wrong. And speaking of Dollhouse, we see Buffy's body without Buffy's consciousness getting out of her Prius and going into her California home. Oh, that was such disdain. I don't know, it's just... Just doing some gardening, some laundry. It's very Dollhouse. Some cooking. And then while she's cooking, she breaks the wooden spoon. By the way... That would a take thick spoon. Yeah, that would take a lot of effort. And she just looks at the steak that she's just made in her hand and goes, oops. That wooden spoon is like four times thicker than your average wooden spoon. Yeah. And she looks at it inquisitively like, I know this world. And now that we know where Buffy's body is, we cut back to the bug spaceship where Andrew is wearing a Dark Horse sweatshirt because I don't know who's publishing this book. Is it Dark Horse? It's IDW. They put Batman in here and Spider-Man. I don't know how that works. It feels strange to me. Anyway. How does your licensing work, Dark Horse? Anyway. And Andrew is trying to control the bugs like he's the captain of... Bug ship? I was going to say an assorted Star Trek ship. He refers to the bugs as Ferengi. He does. I think of them as cinnamon roll ears. I thought you meant the bugs. Nope, the bugs are cockroaches. Cinnamon roll ears also does not describe the Ferengi. And also, the bugs are not concerned with the rules of acquisition. Well... I know who they are because I think their ears look like cinnamon rolls. And we see a really odd scene back on Earth, weird sentence to say, Mm -hmm. of Xander in the bathroom asking if Don can get his eye patch. And we see a rare Xander without his eye patch scene. It doesn't look good. Oh, he's missing an eye. What with the being popped out with a thumb and all. Yeah. I twiddled my thumb when I said that. That's weird. Don't do that anymore. And Xander... Punches a bathroom tile, shattering it because Don isn't getting his eye patch fast enough. Yeah. It's weird and uncomfortable. Yes. You know what? I don't like this arc. I was trying to give it the benefit of the doubt when we were going into it. It's no good. It's a really bad arc. I don't know if I'd say it's a really bad arc. It's definitely not my favorite. There's just weird stuff front to back. And while Xander is contemplating domestic violence detective dowling shows up at their door drunk off his ass because his partner's dead her name is miranda by the way and dowling's like i don't know what they did to her they sucked out all of her blood and then put a bunch of blood back into her and xander's like seriously 
you let that happen, and now he left, and now we have to go deal with this. I was about to beat my girlfriend, but I guess now we have to skip that and go kill some zompires. Because what has Miranda turned into but a zompire who jumps off the table at the morgue and attacks the doctors. In the nude. Yeah, she didn't bother to put on clothes. She has some tasteful shadows. Which I actually could totally roll with the fact that a naked zompire would not really bother to put on clothes. They're not concerned with things like that. Nah. And so while Don and Xander and Detective Dowling have gone off to go deal with the zompires. We see Buffy's body is drinking a lovely California Merlot. Sure. And she's accosted by someone in a ski mask. And this is a big reveal because the second we see the ski mask, it's removed. It's Simone. Simone took her. Yeah. It's fine. So Simone decides that the only way to deal with her own problems is to kidnap Buffy. So she takes Buffy's body. Unbeknownst to her, Buffy is not in her body. Weird sentence. Yes, it is. It's a weird arc. Remember when I said Buffy works best as a metaphor? That's not a metaphor. What's the metaphor here? Don't get kidnapped by your crazy ex-co-workers. When you're in a robot's body? Especially when your consciousness is not in your body. And your ex-vampire lover is flying around an interdimensional spaceship? Yeah, vampire ex-lover. I don't even know. God, this is a stupid arc. Buffy and Spike and, and Andrew. And Andrew and Sebastian the bug. Show up at this house that Andrew has put Buffy's body in. Which, where did this house come from? Who owns it, really? What is Andrew's job? Yeah, how does Buffy have money for this? What is non-robot Buffy's job? Because she was wearing a suit. And Andrew's like, oh yeah, it's a lovely starter home I set you up at. We just saw your crap apartment. Yeah. How did you afford a starter home and an apartment? Which probably roughly have the exact same rent slash mortgage and why does buffy's body still have a consciousness and a personality yeah and we see simone with god i feel like i'm just trying to burn through this now because i hate this you know it's funny i didn't hate this before we started this episode i don't hate it i've turned on it very hard i don't while hate it. recording it just has some flaws in it that i feel like we've already covered we've covered the major flaw this is the worst of this season if that makes you feel better things will get better from here if this is the worst this is really not that bad it's just not as good as the other things around it which makes it stand out a little bit more so simone has captured buffy's body she's like how dare you get this little home in suburbia you used to think you were better than all of us and now you're all being middle income 401k lady and buffy's what do we call her buffy's body sounds so weird buffy's body starts crying she's like I'm so sorry. You're the best slayer. I don't know what I am. And someone's like, wait, what? Who, who are you? You're not Buffy. You just look exactly like her. Who would ask that question? That is a great question, Simone. Simone's inquisitive, I guess. Yeah. Buffy, Spike, and Andrew are on the job and Buffy's really upset. She's like, how does my body without me in it know how to do Buffying better than I know how to Buffy? And where is Buffy's body, kidnapped by Simone, currently residing? But on Angel Island. Ho ho ho! Because Buffy used to be involved with this guy named Angel, girly name. And then she got involved with this guy named Spike, dumb name. And Andrew is giving Buffy a new robot arm because... She broke off her other one and has just been wandering around without an arm. She's got a cable about this whole situation. What? You don't know cable? Who's cable? Debuted in New Mutants 93? Oh, I did know that. 
I knew what the cover looked like. Big dude with a robot arm. Yeah, we sold that book. Good yeah, cash. Yeah. Good job. And Buffy's yelling at Andrew. She's like, this isn't how you get in my good grace. It's like, but I was just trying to help. Buffy's like, this was the worst way you could have helped. How did you know how my body looked exactly naked? Yeah, she doesn't ask any of the important questions. Also, where does the money come from? I'm very concerned with this. Just like how that time that Angel had the money to buy the leather coat, but he didn't have a job. I was very concerned about that. Ooh, and Angel was the sugar daddy. How does Andrew have the money to do any of this to set Buffy up in a fake life with all of this stuff? So as Buffy, Andrew, and Spike are approaching Angel Island, we cut back to Xander and Detective Dowling, who are hunting his old partner. Miranda. And say what you will about any of this, this is my favorite part of the arc, is Xander going up against this zompire. Because Giles' death last year upped the stakes. In my mind, the main four were never any risk. Buffy wasn't at risk, Xander wasn't at risk, Willow, Giles. Everyone was fine. Those four would always be fine. And Giles dying really changed that dynamic. So Xander goes toe-to-toe with the Zompire. And I remember the first time I read it, I was legitimately concerned for him. Yeah. However you feel about Giles dying, it upped the stakes and it created a new sense of urgency. And Xander is getting his ass handed to him. Yes, definitely. And I, you know, for the first time in a long while, I thought Xander had a chance to die. But, and I don't mind this one bit, he doesn't. He and Detective Dowling end up fighting the Stompire. Detective Dowling shoots her, which doesn't really do much. But then he ends up staking his own partner's dead body. And Xander's like, yeah, I did that to my best friend when I was 16. His name was Jesse. I haven't mentioned him since I did that. I forgot about it. That really should have affected me more than it did. Yeah. But we never mentioned it. He was supposed to come back and... Do you remember that episode of Conversations with Dead People? Mm -hmm. It was 707? Yeah, I do. That was the only episode of Buffy Xander wasn't in, I think, the original. If memory serves, the original plan was to have him do a whole thing with Jesse. That would make sense. Yeah, but it never happened. Oh. So he was only in 143 episodes of Buffy, not Mm. counting the pilot. Yeah. Which he was in, so 144 for 145. Hmm. And everyone who isn't Xander lands on Angel Island, because, you know, Xander would have been real pissy about that. Yeah. And they go to hunt Simone and try and find Buffy's body so her mind can go back inside herself. As, this is just Dollhouse at this point. It really is. It's the season one finale of Dollhouse. Yeah. Who wrote that? I'm not going to look it up, but this is season one finale of Dollhouse at this point. And not that I minded Dollhouse at all, but... You didn't like Dollhouse at all. I did not like the end of Dollhouse at all, or anything that was post-apocalyptic. And as Buffy is hunting her own body, she's hit in the head and kidnapped. Again. By herself. But this time it was the robot that was kidnapped. By the body. We find out... Who now has purple streaks in her hair. Yeah, with a part of me, part three... That Buffy has attacked Buffy, and Buffy is oh, holding Buffy hostage. God. So we'll call them Robot Buffy and Pink Buffy, because Pink Buffy has pink streaks in her hair. Yeah. Buffy's body is like, you've betrayed me and left me by myself, and... Is all that picking up on Mike? Yes. Dog. Oh, it's a good boy. Kirby. Oh, it's a good boy. Oh, it's a good boy. Wag your tail. Hi, bud. You can't grunt during podcasting. Can you whistle? I guess. I don't really have a choice. You're not the dog. But we have this new 
militant slayer in Buffy's body, and Buffy's like, damn it, Simone found you, didn't she? And Simone walks in, and she's like, it's me all along with my silly Quentin Quire hair. Okay, what I did like is they brought back with one panel the first slayer, who is repeating that line that she had in Buffy's dream where she said, you are not the slayer, because Buffy was not the slayer because she was a robot. I liked that bit. A robo-Buffy. Simone's like, I'm gonna kill you, and I'm gonna keep your body cool. And the real question is why? As Simone is about to kill a robot Buffy, a proximity alarm goes off, and she's gonna go find out what it is. Look, it's, it's Spike and Andrew. And robot Buffy and Buffy's body fight. Yeah. I wish there was a better way to describe this. This is dumb and bad. Robot Buffy's arm came off again. Yeah. She, I wasn't even going to bring it up because who the hell cares at this point? Yes, Robot Buffy removes her arm so she can kick her body's ass to prove that, I don't know, the mind is mightier than body something. Simone fights Spike. Buffy convinces her body that they need to be one again. And that Simone's a crazy lady. And Buffy's body's like, yes, she is a crazy lady. Thank God you arrived in time to tell me that. Yeah. My conscious or soul or whatever you are. What the hell? It's a weird moment. All of it's weird. All right, so whatever. Let's just skip around a bit. They beat up Simone. Simone runs away. Buffy and her body are reunited. Everyone's happy. Detective Dowling goes to quit his job now that his partner's dead. And the captain's like, no, you need to lead up a new vampire fighting organization because we know what they are now. So get a stake in Dowling. And then we do get to probably the best part of all of this. I guess part of it really is that the most interesting part about this arc has been the couple of conversations that Buffy's had about life beyond slaying. And so we end with one of those conversations, which is great because we end on a strong note. I'm so glad you worded it like that because you're right. And Spike just says, like, hey, I'm in love with you. I always have been. I don't know why this is a surprise to you, because I've really been singing this tune for a hell of a lot of years now, so no surprise. Yeah. And he's like, so I should probably go. And Buffy's like, but Simone's still out there. Like, you could still help protect me. Not helpful, Buffy. I like how she's like, you could just make an excuse to stick around. It's what you usually do. He's like, stop identifying what I do. Yeah. But for the first time in ever, Spike actually grows a pair. And he's like, you know what? I don't need to be hanging around just for you to wait to go to some kind of dark place. Or to try and win you over and you don't actually want me. Guess what? Spike out. Yeah. And he leaves in his bug ship. And they jet off. I think that is a really strong character moment for Spike. For as awful as this arc is, that moment for Spike of just being like, you know what? I'm not going to make an excuse to hang around. I'm not just going to be here for you to turn to when things go bad. I got my own stuff to do. And you know what? It even made sense in the context of this whole arc because Buffy kept using Spike, because Buffy kept pushing him away, but then pulling him back in when she wanted to have him there, but pushing him away when she didn't. It all came to a head with this and it all makes sense. So... I even like that part. Yeah, for as crap as this is, that's a great Spike moment. Yeah. And then Buffy puts herself back in her own body with the help of Andrew and quits her barista job. Where's her money going to come from now? Are you going back to steal from Nazis, Buffy? 
Hopefully not. I mean, I guess if you're gonna... I said it before, I'll say it again. If you're gonna steal from someone, steal from a Nazi. So Buffy had kind of an interesting conversation with her body before Andrew put her personality back in. And her body's basically like, look, you're gonna make it there to the little starter house, to the normal life, but you need to do it on your terms. It doesn't mean anything if you're just put there in the fake world. And with that, Andrew switches their consciousnesses. Boy, just reading this before, I was I was like, yeah, it's weird, but you know, it's fine. Talking about it out loud. Well, now I hate this. Do we mention the one small step that Buffy takes at the end of this? Where she quits her job as a barista? Yeah. So it's supposed to be like, I'm liberating myself, and I'm finding myself, and it is, I'm taking the path toward normalcy. Except the path toward normal normalcy leads through a job. Very frequently. Not that she clearly works a lot because she keeps missing her shifts as a barista, but you need some money to be normal. And you know what? Honestly, for not the strongest arc of the season, it's still not terrible by any means. It just... There's still moments that work. And the bigger problem with it is that they had the possibility of doing something really interesting, and then they wrote themselves out of it just as quickly. This is also 100% a scripting problem. It's not an art problem. The art's still great across the board. Definitely. But, uh, thank God that's over with. Because we're back at Angel next time, and we're back on a good one. So? Nanners, baby. Nanners is back. Where can you find us? You're less excited about him than me. I'm excited about Nanners. I just, we're not there yet. So I have to save my excitement for when I'm actually with Nanners. For Nanners. Uh, I'm excited about that. This guy's Nanners. I think about that every time I eat a banana now. So every day? I don't eat a banana every day. That's you. You eat three bananas every day. If you want to find the show, you can go to editorsnotecomics.com on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Hey, you know where the show is? YouTube, iTunes, other podcasting platforms. I don't really care about the rest of them, but if you're over on iTunes, shoot us a review. A good one. If you're not going to do a good one, I don't know. I guess do what you want. I don't really care. We're also on Patreon. Over on patreon.com slash editorsnotecomics. If you want to get the show a week early every week, give us one buck a month and you'll get that. Yeah, it would be awesome. If you want to know about Nanners... If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know who we're talking about. Yes. Will we refer to him by name next week? I don't know. Doubt it. I just want to call him Nanners. That's all we'll do. I don't know if I'm going to name that episode yet. I feel like Nanners Returns will probably be the name of the episode. That sounds fantastic. I don't see why you need to change that name at all. And I guess I have another show if you want to hear more of me. It's also lovely. It's with Jared. This arc really beat me down. It really did. You're very like, (laughs) like, this is whatever. I don't uh, really care about it's, anything. it's real crap. Everything after this is better. I'm sorry to be so sad about a thing. But you know what? It's better than that high school years thing that we read. That one was funnier. Because it was worse. Yes. <laughs> because yes. I had because it's easier to joke about Angel being a sugar daddy than abortion. Right. One of them lends themselves to humor better. But luckily we're done with that for next week. Oh my god, Oris. I'm so happy. This is a low point. I'm so glad to move on to better things. From here on out until Angel Season 11, we'll see how we deal with that. So on that note, we will see you next time. Nanners is back, baby! Bye!